Well, welcome to Zion Fellowship today. If this is your first time, we welcome you. And uh, if this is your first time, it might be a little different than anything else you might have experienced in a while. Um, just want to give some announcements before uh, I have Pastor Jeff come up and give the, the sermon today. Um, as many of you know, uh, Pastor Mark Scorzone is, uh, and his family are dealing with some family issues right now. And so, unfortunately, uh, Mark won't, and Katie and the kids won't be here today. But um, Pastor Jeff has uh, graciously accepted uh, the opportunity to, to share a word with us, and so we're looking forward to that. Um, just a couple of announcements. Um, you, um, I, we'd like you all to, to uh, just keep in mind that uh, on Saturday, January 20th, we're going to have an all-church dinner here at Zion. Uh, it starts at 5.30, and uh, we'd really like you to be there. We're going to be sharing um, the vision and um, for, for, our, for our church, some of the things the Lord's been speaking to us as a leadership team and other people in the church, too. Um, and then also, um, you know, just um, going over some of the ministries here at Zion and um, that you have the opportunity to be involved with. In addition to that, we're going to be having worship night um, on Wednesday, January 24th. We, again, we would really like you to be there for that, um, just to seek God and hear what he has to say. So, um, so that's it for now. Um, oh, one thing I'd encourage you regarding the, um, the dinner um, on the 20th to go online and take a look at our website. There's a video there that um, Pastor Mark discusses or, or outlines what we're going to be doing that day. It's a, it's a great video, and uh, I didn't, I, you'd really enjoy it and help you understand what we're doing that day. Also, I think it's on Facebook. So... Um, uh, it looks like uh, folks are teeing up to take the offering, so I'll pray for that. And uh, you can uh, let the kids go at this time. Looks like a husband-wife team today. So, God, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us in, the, in just supplying for our needs. You promised to do that, and you have done it well, and we thank you for that. We ask uh, your blessing on this on this offering, and we pray that uh, you would multiply it uh, for the building of your kingdom and the glory of your name, in Jesus' name, amen. And while they're passing that around, I'm going to uh, invite Jeff up. It is my pleasure. Bless this word, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever had a divining moment in your life? You know what I mean by a divining moment? Something happens. Maybe it was good. Maybe it might have been bad. But, but something happened. Something changed like, like in a moment. And it was very defining for you. Cool. Well, I had one of those defining moments many years ago. I uh, was when I was preaching my very first sermon. I had studied really hard. 
And I had all my notes, and Jesus, I was all fired up, ready to go. I had my notes on the table, and, and for some reason, I, I turned off to the side. I turned back, and there go my notes. It's kind of a little, little, it's a little embarrassing, you know. And so as, as I'm picking up my notes, and I, I'm noticing that I forgot to number the pages. So I'm not too sure whether they got the ending of the, ser of the sermon first and the, and the first of the sermon last. I, I couldn't tell you, but, but God worked it all out for the good. And so, uh, so I'm kind of an old school kind of guy. I, <clears throat> I like to print out my notes. And um, one of the solutions to, to losing your notes is to put them in a binder. It's very, very, very helpful. Uh, somebody said, well, well, you know, the, the new school kind of guys out there, you know, they got their, 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 their notebooks or iPads. They got all their, their stuff, and, and they're, they're, they, they said, well, why don't, you, why don't you try that? And I says, well, you know, what do I do if my computer dies halfway through the sermon? Then what do I do? I said, well, I think I'm going to stick to being an old school kind of a guy, if that's Okay. And so I've upgraded to a binder, though, so that's kind of a cool. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to start us off with just a, a few questions. I want you to consider and ponder a little bit. Have you ever talked with God? Have you ever asked God, why am I here? What was I born for? What's my purpose here on earth? What's your plan for my life? Have you ever asked those questions? Am I the only one? Well, good. That's a good start to talk with God. Because you've asked him, I believe he'll speak to you. He'll give you your direction. So today, just uh, as we looked at those questions, uh, also we're going to be going to the book of Esther. In case you want to know, everybody likes to know, what's our destination going to be? Our destination is going to be the book of Esther. And I believe we can, we can learn something. You know, it's the Old Testament. But I believe there's still something there for us. Romans 15.4 assures us, he says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So I believe we're going to find some hope and some encouragement from the book of Esther. For me, um, there's one defining moment in the book of Esther that really speaks to me the most. You could have a different scripture that speaks to you, but, but this one that's found uh, in Esther 4.14. It's probably a scripture we've heard before. Maybe it's even a scripture we've quoted multiple times. Who knows? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever quoted it to someone? Well, good. But I believe all through Esther's story, we're going to find some amazing things. We're going to see God's plans, his promises, and his provision displayed all throughout those scriptures. So let's pause. Father, we just come before you today, and, and we're so thankful that we have your written word, that we can go to it, we can 
actually see it with our eyes. So, Father, today, give us eyes to see what you want to show us. Give us ears to hear the things you want to challenge us with, the things you want to change us with. And, Father, give us a heart to receive those things. We can ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One other interesting fact before we get started is if you look through the book of Esther, you will not find the name of God anywhere. Did you know that? But you will see the invisible God all the way through the book. Give us eyes to see. Have you ever watched the movie and uh, the first few minutes they give you kind of like the ending? You ever seen one of those movies? You kind of, that's nice, but well, what happened? How did you get there? Well, you give them a few minutes and then they'll actually start by going back in time. They'll go back in time, whether it's been a week or uh, the month or whatever, and then they'll start laying out the process. How did they get to where they actually started the movie? And that's kind of what we're going to do with, with, with Esther's story, if that's okay. We're, our, our target, we're going to go somewhere, believe it or not, so you need to know where we're going to go. And that is Esther 4.14. Who knows that you have not been made queen for such a time as this. So as uh, to help us to get from the beginning to where we want to go in Esther 4.14, I've come up with 12 defining moments, is what I'm calling them, that'll help us in our journey to 4.14. So we have to go back to the beginning. We're going to be looking at chapter 1. I'm going to break in one of these in. They're going to be like little brief snippets. So in uh, chapter 1, defining moment number 1, we're kind of introduced to King Xerxes. He's the king, and everything revolves around the king, believe it or not. And so the king decides to have a banquet, a feast. He invites all of his friends, the nobles, everybody brings him this feast. And it's interesting that this feast lasts 180 days. Can you imagine that? Having a banquet here that lasts 180 days? I think quitting would be stretched to come up with enough food for 180 days. But 180 days, they went at it. And so at the end of the 180 days, there's an, another feast, another banquet the king wants to have. But he has something special about this banquet. He wants his queen to be there. So king feeling pretty good about himself. I'm sure he's had a little bit of wine along the way. He asked for them to bring my queen. Tell her I would like her to come. Well, there was a problem, if you recall. Queen Esther didn't want to show up. She refused to come into the king's presence. That's a problem. And so we know the king was very upset. So he inquired about all of his wise counselors, and they decide to banish queen 
Vashti. So now we have another dilemma here, another defining uh, moment that uh, we're going to be introduced to Mordecai and Esther. We learned that uh, Mordecai uh, was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was part of those that were exiled to Babylon. But Mordecai decided to stay. And we also learned also that Esther, mother and father, had passed away, had died, and that uh, Mordecai actually adopts Esther as his own daughter. Very interesting. And did I mention that Esther was very beautiful? So defining moment number three for us. Haggai, the king's eunuch, was in charge of the harem. And that's where all the beautiful women were brought in. They were going to be chosen. One of them would be chosen as the next queen. And how important it was that we find Esther in this group of beautiful women. We're never told how many. Five, ten, there's just no, just no number, just that she was one of those that was included. But it was interesting that uh, Esther uh, was in, uh, taken under the guidance the, of Haggai, the king's eunuch. Uh, he was so impressed also with her beauty that uh, he ordered a special menu for her. He also provided some beautiful handmaidens to attend to her. He also gave her the best place, the best room in the king's harem, just for her. We'll continue our defining moments. After about a year, I had to believe that there was a year of beauty treatments. I don't know what that means, but it was a year of beauty treatments. Not that Esther maybe needed to be more beautiful, but they took a whole year of these beauty treatments before they were brought before the king. And I don't know how they did that, you know, that they bring them in one at a time, or they just like all gather, and, and the king just gazed at them and wondering. But, but what we do know is that the king saw something in Esther. That's my next queen. He was very delighted in her, and he set the royal crown upon her, and she became queen. Although nobody knew of her background, nobody knew that she was Jewish, that was kept a secret. Another defining moment was Mordecai. He became a palace official. While on duty one day, just hanging out with the guys, he hears something. He hears of a plan to kill the king. Happened to be in the right place at the right time. So Mordecai tells Esther, hey, you need to let the king know that these guys want to kill the king. So Esther gets the message off to the king. She said she wanted to make sure that um, Mordecai gets credit for the king knowing that Mordecai gave that message, and that would be important much later. Defining moment number six, we are introduced to a man named Haman. 
How many of you recall Haman? Very prideful, very arrogant man. He was in a place of great authority. And he had this thing where people had to bow down to him, had to give him due respect. But there was a problem in that, and that Mordecai refused to give him that respect. And that sure did upset Haman. It wouldn't have been so bad if Haman was just angry with Mordecai. You know, he could have just said, hey, I got a couple of the palace goons. I'm going to send them over, work over Mordecai a little bit, teach him a few things. He'll come around. But he didn't. His anger burned so much for Mordecai. And after hearing that Mordecai was a Jew, it was like a forest fire. He wanted to destroy all the Jewish people, women, children. Next defining moment. So Haman goes to the king, kind of venting his anger towards these people, gives him a good story why a king should get rid of them. And so he gets the king to make a decree that at a set time and a set date, all the Jewish people would be annihilated. Men, women, children. Defining moment number eight for us. When Mordecai heard of the decree, he ripped off his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he is wailing. He's greatly troubled. He comes to the palace gate screaming. And I think Esther noticed some of the noise. At first she was wondering, you know, why, is, why is Mordecai out there? Why is he dressed in sackcloth? Why is he shouting? Why is he making such a, a scene? At first she asked one of her attendants, take, take him some clothes. He needs to get some clothes on. Because no one was allowed to come to the king's gate dressed in such manner. A sign of mourning. When Mordecai refused the clothes, she sent him again. Ask Mordecai, what is going on? Why is he dressed this way? Brings us to our next defining moment. It is here. This decree is revealed to Esther. She's made aware of what has happened, maybe behind closed doors. I must believe she didn't know anything about this decree. Perhaps she was sheltered a little bit in the king's palace. So in this defining moment, number nine, this decree is revealed to her. Mordecai asks her to go to the king, beg for mercy, do something. This is her response back to Mordecai. She sends her attendant. She says, um, tell him, it's, it's just not that simple. You just don't go up to the king and say, oh, king, oh, king. You just don't do that here. There's a different protocol here. Things are done differently here. Unless the king calls for you, he requests you, he asks for you, you don't get to see the king. Actually, 
To attempt such a thing would surely bring death. She says, it's been 30 days since the king last called for me. And then she goes and she says, uh, are you kind of, in my own words, are you, are you sure you know what you're asking me to do? Do you realize what could happen? Do you know that I could possibly die? Brings us to the finding moment number 10. Mordecai challenges Esther. He says, do you, do you think that you're going to escape death because you're in the palace? It's like, uh, maybe he's trying to remind you, you are Jewish, right? And remember the decree that says that all Jews would be annihilated? He says, you're not going to escape this. But I think there's a little bit of faith in Mordecai revealed to us too. As he responded back, he says, if you don't do this, I don't know how, I don't know who, but some way, somehow, deliverance will come to us. But then he goes on, but deliverance will not come to you. He tells her that you and your family will die. To save your life, you will surely lose your life. This is where we come to that key verse I mentioned earlier. Mordecai continues as he challenges her. Who knows? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Defining moment number 11. So Esther has Mordecai and all the Jews of Susa fast. She and her maidens will do the same. And I believe Esther has come to a place of surrender. And she says, I will go. If I must die, I will die. For me, the defining moment number 12 in our last is I believe that during the time of fasting and prayer, I believe Esther was given a divine plan. If you read that, you'll see how divine it was, how very specific it was, how everything played out so that the king would recognize her and he would extend his scepter to her. And we're fortunate we have the rest of the story. We can see that the Jewish people are saved. All through Esther, I mentioned, we're going to see God's promises, his plans, his providence revealed here. God has Esther in a specific place for a specific time, for a specific purpose. Perhaps providence might be a new word for you. I was trying to figure out, is there an easy way to explain providence? Here's, here's, I'll, my best shot at it. Maybe you can come up with a better one. You'll let me know. 
This is God's caring provision for his people to guide them in their journey of faith, to accomplish his predetermined purpose for them. So I'm kind of wondering, is there a scripture that might help me here? And there is actually one I believe that does, and that's in the New Testament, Ephesians 2.10. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I got some uh, worthy uh, mentionables, I guess, also I'd like to... I mentioned earlier that uh, we don't really hear the name of God mentioned through the book of Esther. But all through Esther, you'll see God interwoven. The invisible God is made visible for us to see all through Esther. Some might say, well, things happen just by chance. I guess you could say that. Maybe it was just a coincidence things happened the way they did. You could say that. Or perhaps you can say God had a hand in it as part of his plans, his purposes, and his providence. So just some things to think about when you talk about God's providence, perhaps. Just the first thing, just the understanding that Esther was very beautiful. And who gave her her beauty? Her Father in heaven, of course. Her beauty was so well recognized that she became part of the girls that were brought into the king's harem to be chosen as one of the new queens. How about the favor that Esther gained from Haggai? The special beauty treatments, the special food, the handmaidens that were given to her. By chance? A coincidence? How about just the understanding that the beauty of Esther must have been a radiant shine, perhaps, the king saw. Something that he noticed they would place the crown upon her head. This is my new queen. Coincidence? No, I don't think so. How about this one? How about Mordecai being in the right place at the right time to hear these guys plotting to kill the king? And how about the king? The king who couldn't sleep. Looking for something to help him get to sleep, so he sends one of his attendants to go get the archives. Read to me. Maybe that'll put me to sleep. Maybe, I don't know. So the chronicles were brought to him. Just so happens that scribe reads the portion 
about Mordecai? A chance? Coincidence? He reads to the king what Mordecai had done for him. And then the king, what did we do for Mordecai? How did we honor him? And how about just the favor that Esther received to be standing in the hall that the king would see her and extend his scepter to give her favor to come in to his presence. You know, there's, there's good timing and there's bad timing. For Haman, this was bad timing. So we know the story that the, the, the story about Haman wanting to kill all the Jews has been brought to the king, and the king, king is really upset. He, this is beyond his understanding, and he goes out of the room. And I think Haman knows that his days are numbered. He does not have long to live. So he thought, well, I'm going to try this one last time. I'm going I'm to run at Esther. I'm going to throw myself on the couch and beg for mercy. What bad timing. The king comes in, sees Haman stretched out over his queen. How could she attack my queen? Sure enough, we know what becomes a Haman. Like I said, there's good timing and bad timing. And of course, Mordecai is is elevated to a place of authority, a position in the, the kingdom. Some might say, it's just a coincidence. But I'm thinking there's too many coincidences to be a coincidence. I think God had a hand in it. I'm thinking all through Esther, as I said, if you look, if you see, You'll see the hand of God interwoven all throughout the book of Esther. So it kind of brings us back to our beginning. Have you ever asked God these questions? Why am I here? Why was I born? What's my purpose here on earth? And what's your plan for my life? I just want to invite the ministry teams to come forward and they want to just uh, come up front just in case. I don't know where we're going to go, but I want you to be be ready and available because I don't know what God's going to do. So I must believe with all my heart, if you said yes to Jesus, he has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a destiny for your life. If salvation were the end all, the moment we said yes to Jesus, we'd all be with him in heaven. But that's not the end all. Salvation is only but the beginning for us. If you call yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, you're left here with a plan and a purpose, a mission to fulfill. 
Who knows? As Mordecai said, who knows? Perhaps you have been born for such a time as this. I must believe we're saved not just to wander aimlessly. Or that we're to be set free without a purpose. That we're to sit on the sidelines and watch the game. I believe we're meant to participate in the game. I like this, uh, back to Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to do it in the Amplified. It says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. And God has not left us alone in this mission. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. Perhaps another sermon. I can so relate to Esther's story. I'm going to share a little bit of my story if I could. You see, for the first few years I was a Christian, I was a bleacher Christian. I enjoyed watching the game. Then I came to Zion Fellowship in 1990. First day, I think we were here, there was a, a little blurb in the bulletin. They were, somebody, uh, the leaders of the food pantry were asking for some help. They needed somebody to go to Rochester and pick up refrigerated and freezer foods. I didn't even see that, I didn't see it in the, in the bulletin. My wife did. The encourager she is, I think you can do that. I said yes. My first yes was just being faithful. Just going to Rochester, picking up food and bringing it back to the old church on Gorm Street. That's all it was, very something, very, very, very simple. And then over time, I did the food pantry for quite a while. 2006, an organization was birthed here in Kennedy, what called Kennedy with Churches in Action. I was fortunate to be a, a part of the grassroots, the founding fathers for a lack of terms. Don't know why. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. In a few years, I became the executive director of Kennedy with Churches in Action. 2009. I have to be honest with you, I, I've never been an executive director before. There wasn't a manual you could go to and you get all your answers. I just said, yes. I'm going to need your help, Jesus. And now it's 2024. 
because I carried something here. And also I've learned that if you're, you're faithful in some little things, remember just saying yes to going to Rochester to get food at the Rochester refrigeration. If you're faithful in the little things, what does God do? He wants, it's a test. Can you be faithful in this little thing? Because he had greater things planned for me. I didn't know what they were. I had no idea. But as long as I had been faithful in the little things, he knew that he could entrust greater and bigger things to me. I wish I could take credit for all of it, but I can't. Everything that's happened to me, I was in the right place at the right time because I had said yes some almost 30 years ago. I don't think it was a coincidence. I don't think anything happens in our lives as a coincidence by chance because we have a God who holds everything. So my question is to you. Why were you born? What is your purpose here on earth? What is God's plan for your life? Maybe you don't know yet, and that's okay. Some ministry teams here. You just come. Jesus, would you reveal to me my plan, my purpose? Can you do that if you don't know? Don't leave here today without asking. God to reveal his, his plan and his purpose for you. I sense we're in the days where bleacher Christians are to be a thing of the past. We're to be engaged. We're to be on the playing field. Yeah, God could do it, but he likes to partner with us. He likes to use us in his plans and his purposes. And he won't leave us alone. As I mentioned before, we have the Holy Spirit. And he enables us with gifts and talents to accomplish his plans, his purposes, his mission for our lives. So I'm kind of like the coach that says, go get them. So, Father, we just end this time and we say thank you for revealing your, yourself to us through Esther, through her story. It's meant to give us hope, to give us encouragement that you can use me. You have a plan, you have a purpose 
You have a mission. You have a destiny for my life. All it takes is a simple yes. Here I am. Use me. okay. You can talk to God right where you're at in your seat. If you need to come up front, I want someone to pray for you. You want to pray God. He would reveal his, his mission for you, his plans, his purposes. Maybe you just want to make the, that's the first step of just willing to come and say, I'm ready to be used. Sign me up somewhere. Help me to be part of your plan and your purpose. Set me on mission. And let it begin today. It's a new year. Don't wait. And I sat in the bleachers for too many years. But God made up for it. Thank you. Sorry, don't mean to hold you, but I'm just feeling pretty strongly right now. So in Matthew 25, and you're, you're aware of this parable. It's the, it's the parable of, of the talents. And in the parable, again, most of you know it. There's a king going off into another country, and, and he before he leaves, he gives money to three of his different servants and says, I want you to invest this for me and I want a return on my investment. To one he gives five according according to his abilities. He gives them this money. One he gives five, one he gives two talents. This is where the English word talent comes from. The word talent was actually originally a a, uh, a medium of exchange. It was it was money. So one he gave five according to his ability, one he gave two according to his ability, and one he gave one. The guy with five got five more and he had 10 because he invested it. The other, same thing. Two, he got two more because he invested it. But the third one, because he was afraid, he was afraid. Because he was afraid that he'd lose what he was given and would have nothing to give, when, when the king returned, he went and hid it in the ground instead. I don't know whether you know the, the outcome of that. The first two were congratulated, but the king's, the king's disappointment was devastating. I'll just put it that way. That servant ended up <laughs> 
well, there was punishment. And I, uh, the reason I feel like I, I, I really need to share this with you is because there are the, I think the biggest thing that people don't get involved with ministry, they don't get involved with church, they, they, they come and show up and, and show up and then leave is because they're afraid. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I think the Lord's saying to you today, yes, you can. Come to me and ask me what it is God has or that I have for you to do. And then I will, yeah, you can't do it. But through my strength, you can and will do it. Jeff went through that with the whole CCIA thing. That was a great example. He wouldn't have, if, if he knew he was going to end up being an executive director, he probably never would have, have started out on the first step. But maybe he would have. But just please, if you're afraid, come up here and get prayer. And let's ask God to help you understand that this isn't about you, it's about him, and that he has power and strength available for you to do what he has for you to do in this life if you will trust him and step out. So thank you for hearing me. And uh, anybody that needs prayer, please come up. But um, otherwise, have a great week. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Jeff.